Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the NoSilicast podcast, hosted at podfeet.com, a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight Apple bias. Today is Sunday, June 20th, 2021, and this is show number 841. Well, for those of you celebrating Father's Day, I wish you all a very, very happy Father's Day. Special happy Father's Day to Steve and my son Kyle and my son-in-law Nolan, because they all rock his dads. I think we've got a fun show this week, but, you know, I always think that. I've got two articles of my own, and then I have a really interesting interview for you with a very young friend of mine. He's got lots of opinions on Apple products, and I think you're going to get a kick out of hearing his perspective. Well, this week we have a very different kind of episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond Light. On the awesome Kilowatt podcast, which is a show all about electric vehicles, host Bodie Grimm asked me and my husband Steve to be his guests on the show. Now, you really shouldn't listen to it on the Chit Chat Across the Pond feed. You should go subscribe to the Kilowatt podcast instead and listen to it there. But unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately for me, but I don't know why he did this, Bodie insisted that we should share the love and he let me broadcast it for you on the Chit Chat Across the Pond light feed as well. The reason he had us on was he wanted us to come on the Kilowatt Podcast to talk about what we don't like about our Teslas. You know, the little fiddly bits, if you will. You know, we love our Model 3 and Model Y, but there's definitely things we wish were different. I know a lot of you out there are big fans of Steve, so this is a rare opportunity to hear him in front of a microphone. Steve and I had a blast recording with Bodie, and we hope you'll enjoy it as well. You can find this episode in your Chit Chat Across the Pond light feed, or of course, you should go subscribe to the Kilowatt Podcast if you're interested in listening and learning about electric vehicles in general. He talks about uh, all the different models, not just Teslas. He talks about the latest news, talks about recalls, he talks about advances in batteries and new factories being built. It's a really, really good show, so you should go check it out. Uh, Look it up in your podcatcher of choice as the Kilowatt Podcast. I am so excited about my latest pair of Bluetooth headphones. I just bought a pair of AirPods. No, not AirPods Pro, AirPods. I already have a pair of AirPods Pro, and you know what? I really dislike them. There are a number of things I dislike about the AirPods, but the number one thing is that they still fall out of my ears. I replaced the original ear tips with some from Comply that did absolutely nothing to keep them in my ears. Then Frank told us about the charge-in ear tips, which I told you about that I got those too, and those really did help a lot. But even with the charge-ins, you know, there's some overhead associated with using them. To get them to mostly stay in your ears, you have to squeeze the foam, put the AirPod into your ear with the stem pointing out from your face, then rotate the stem downward, and then hold for a few seconds while the foam expands into your ear canal. This works much better than just shoving them in your ears and hoping for the best. When Chargin sent me their ear hooks, that's when things got a lot better. I still have to do the squeeze, rotate, wait dance to get the AirPods Pro properly sealed in my ear, but the ear hook is what actually keeps them from falling out. While they don't fall out, they do sort of ooze out of my ear canal, so I have to keep shoving them back in so they fit properly. The only nice thing I can say about the AirPods Pro over the original ones is that the stem being shorter reduces the chance that I'll accidentally knock them off when brushing hair out of my face when I'm running. It reduces, not eliminates the chance. Putting on the ear hooks only takes a few seconds, so it's not a huge deal, but it is time I don't enjoy adding to the squeeze rotate weight dance. The other problem is that about 75% of the time, I put the wrong ear hook on the AirPod. You know, they're like USB cables, more often wrong, even though you should have a 50-50 chance of getting it right. 
I know that the ear hooks, what the ear hooks should look like when they're installed on the AirPods, but for some reason, I have a very low probability of getting it right on the first try. And I think it's a personal problem. Both the AirPods and the ear hooks have the letters L and R on them, but neither are easy to see. I have x-ray vision since my cataract surgery, but I still have to hold them up to the light and study for a bit to tell which one is which. For some reason, the shape of the AirPods Pro, even after a couple of years of using them, does not, they do not scream right and left to me. This brings up another problem. I don't think I've ever put them back in the case on the first try without mixing left and right. Now, I have a trained and genetically acquired engineering brain that sees geometry instinctively. I mean, I can screw on a nut on a bolt that's upside down under a table without having to think which way is clockwise, but I'll be darned if I can tell left from right on an AirPods Pro. Now, I do like the noise cancellation on the AirPods Pro, but I truly hate the transparency mode. It sounds to me like they take all of the highest frequencies in your surrounding air, air, air in your surroundings and just amplify them. On top of x-ray vision, I happen to have stupid good high-frequency hearing. Believe it or not, I can still hear that frequency that only teenagers are supposed to be able to hear. So the last thing in the world I want is to have high-frequency sounds screeching into my ears. Don't even get me started on how I feel about being in a room with a group of preteen little girl voices. I've been participating in Apple research studies, one of which is hearing, so I've been more attentive to any changes in my hearing. I don't know if this is related to prolonged use of noise cancellation with my sealed-in AirPods Pro, but I've noticed in the evenings, I'll hear a faint hissing in my ears, like a weird pressure sort of sound. It goes away eventually, but I don't remember hearing it before. Again, I'm paying more close attention right now, so it might be self-selection, and it might be unrelated to noise cancellation on the AirPods Pro, but it did give me pause. Now, I used to own the second-gen non-pro AirPods, but after a few years of being awesome, something kind of went wonky with them. They would intermittently tell me that one AirPod had zero battery, even though they'd been charging overnight. I could sometimes put the recalcitrant AirPod back into the case and immediately remove it, and then it would go, yeah, I got 100%. So it was kind of like a firmware problem or something, because the AirPod really was charging. Now, other times it would refuse to correct itself and play any sound and would say, nope, I'm still 0%. Now, the other problem was that it seemed to switch which AirPod was failing to charge. It wasn't possible to isolate whether maybe it was the charging case itself that had the problem. Eventually, I decided that it seemed to be more consistently the right AirPod, and I attempted to buy a new one. Nowhere on Apple's site can you buy a single AirPod. You have to go through Apple support, and you have to answer all of their questions, after which they will politely inform you you're no longer under Apple Care, at which point you politely explain that you pointed that out at the beginning of the call. Only at this juncture will they allow you to give them $89 for one AirPod. You can tell that I followed this exact path, can't you? Well, the story has a sad ending. After shelling out the $89, the problems continued. Rather than to keep buying piece by piece to solve the problem, I gave the three AirPods and their charging case to Lindsay because she had a set with aging batteries, and I figured at least the new replacement AirPod would be a help to her. I was sad to see them go, but at least I stopped worrying about fighting with them. I used to keep them on my desk and think, I've got to be able to figure this out. Once I gave them away, I stopped worrying about it. Now, I kept fighting instead with the AirPods Pro. I'd been dreaming about going back to AirPods, and recently, when I was too lazy to go get my AirPods Pro to make a call, I decided to use my wired EarPods. Remember those? They're shaped just like non-pro AirPods. And you know what? They fit so perfectly, and they felt fantastic, and they didn't fall out of my ears. 
Now, it seemed idiotic to spend money on the second-gen AirPods when I owned the new hotness, which is why I put up with all of these problems for so long. It also might seem idiotic to buy AirPods when there's rumors of a new uh, model coming out soon, but that's exactly why I bought them right now. I was worried that this form factor might be going away. Regular AirPods are $199 with the wireless charging case and $159 with the regular charging case. When I bought regular AirPods the last time, I sprang for the wireless charging case, and I have to admit, I've rarely used it. I have a Qi charging pad and a lightning cable sitting side by side where I put my AirPods back in their case, and after using the charging pad for a while, I realized it was actually faster to just shove in a lightning cable than to faff about moving the AirPods case around until the little light started to glow indicating I was getting a charge. So when rebuying my second gen AirPods, I opted for the quote unquote inexpensive $159 version. Steve picked them up for me at our now partially open Apple store and when he brought them home, I opened them up next to my phone and they instantly connected. I forgot how joyful that initial experience is with a new set of AirPods. I put them in my ears and it was as though they disappeared. I can hardly feel them in my ears at all. No pinching, no twisting, no waiting, just instant gratification. I went for my first walk and run with them and not once did they fall out. I think I adjusted the left one maybe twice on my run, which compares to maybe 20 times per run with the AirPods Pro. I literally forgot they were there for most of the run. On my walk, it was quite blustery and I did notice the wind noise, so I missed the noise cancellation a bit, but I'd traded in a heartbeat for the incredibly comfortable fit for me of the plain old AirPods. When I came home, I took them out of my ears and I had no moment of doubt trying to figure out which one was left and right. Now, I know I'll mess this up from time to time, but instead of messing them up more often than not, it will be just a minor annoyance the rare times I mess that up. I did have to relearn how to play pause on the AirPods. On the AirPods Pro, you squeeze to play pause, which does help to keep them in the ear. On the regular AirPods, you have to double tap. I remember this is the one time I would sometimes knock them out of my ear. But at least if I do that, it will be me knocking them out, not them spontaneously squirting out of my ear. I also forgot how much smaller the original AirPods case is than the Pro case. That's not a big deal, but it is delightfully smaller, and I'm a fanatic at minimizing what goes in my purse. I carry the tiniest, thinnest wallet you've ever seen. It's just a piece of leather with slots on either side for cards, and I purposely carry a very small purse, too, just to keep me from filling it with huge, heavy things. The smaller AirPods case is a nice touch. Now, there are a few things I'll be giving up. Apple just announced in the keynote at WWDC that they'll be giving AirPods Pro and AirPods Max Find My support. So you'll be able to find them even if they're inside the case. You can even have an alert to let you know if you're about to leave your AirPods Pro behind. Sadly, the regular AirPods are not on the list of devices to get Find My support. Now, the traditional AirPods also don't do spatial audio. I don't listen to music, and I don't ever watch movies with them. So I don't think that's going to be a big loss, and I'll be happy with my mono spoken word podcast. I think there are even more features I'll be missing that will, uh, were announced recently, but... I don't care because these headphones stay in my ears and that's the most important thing for me. I know that a lot of people, for a lot of people, the original form factor of AirPods and EarPods was problematic. Steve can't keep those in his ears for more than a few seconds. I thought, I really thought he was just making it up, but I've seen him put them in and they just go boop. They just, I mean, they immediately fall out of his ears. If you're one of those people and AirPods Pro works great for you, I'm super happy for you but I'm super happy for me that Apple still sells the original non-pro AirPods. 
I'm so delighted with my new AirPods. It's kind of like how good it feels when you stop banging your head against a wall. I'm in love with these AirPods, probably even more than I was with my first pair. I'll be hanging on to the AirPods Pro for the noise cancellation on airplanes, but for all of my other headphone needs, I'll be using my glorious new second-gen AirPods. Back when I was working, I used to make video tutorials for distribution inside my company. At the time, I was forced to use Windows Vista on a terrible HP laptop, and the only screencasting game in town was Camtasia Studio. Now, I'm sure that in the last decade, that software has to have improved dramatically, but at that time, Camtasia on Windows Vista was the worst software combination I have ever used in my lifetime. I mean, there was nothing that was as bad as that. And yet, I still managed to produce video tutorials that taught thousands of people in my company to use one of our important software tools. I still meet people today who know me because of those tutorials. When I was first making them, I remember a guy saying to me, creating video tutorials is easy. Well, you know, in one sense, he was completely right. You get some software, you press the record button, you do stuff on the computer while talking into a microphone, and then you press stop. When you're done, you do technically have a video tutorial, and technically it was easy. Now, the point he missed entirely is that making good video tutorials is very, very hard. I've made over 75 video tutorials for Screencast Online, and over the years, I've learned a lot of little tricks that have made each video better than the last. I thought maybe if I told you about them, perhaps your journey towards making great video tutorials would be shorter than mine. Even if you have no intention of ever making a screencasting tutorial, I think you'll enjoy understanding the work that goes into making a good tutorial. Maybe it'll make you hate poorly created tutorials more, but I can live with that. Now I'm going to break this up into two parts. Today, I'm going to be telling you about the first part, which is all about preparing to make a recording, kind of like fixing to make a plan. Now, the goal here is to teach you how to set things up so that you're as efficient and productive as you can be while creating a video tutorial that people will want to watch. The initial setup will save you time in the long run while increasing the quality of your end product. The second part will be tailored to how to actually record and edit efficiently. I think I can provide some little tips and tricks that will make you faster at editing and create better edits that don't distract your viewers. I use ScreenFlow from Telestream on the Mac, and while some of it will be specific to that tool, I'll try to keep my, my explanations as generic as I can and describe the technique before the specific implementation. Now, I think one of the reasons my video tutorials work is because I organize a story before I start to record. If I'm teaching, say, how to use CopyM, my clipboard manager, I don't just show what it does. I don't start in preferences and toggle on and off each setting. I start by telling the audience why they would even want a tool like this in the first place. I don't always say it this way, but you know what I'm doing? I'm telling them the problem to be solved. I give examples of how I use the tool and how and why it helps me and how it might help them. Before I start recording, I spend about a week on and off playing with the tool I'm going to demonstrate, poking every single button and testing every single feature. If there's a manual, I've been known to read it cover to cover, if it's a good one. If I can't figure out how an option works, I contact the vendor and I give them a chance to explain it more clearly to me before I try to explain it to the audience. As I learn about the tool, I start splatting topics out on a mind map using my favorite mind mapping tool, iThoughts, from Toketaware. I use a mind map for this job because it allows me to ignore organization while I'm learning. In an outline or other kind of text editor, I feel constrained and compelled to write in an organized way. 
With a mind map, I can just splat these ideas down and then rearrange them later as the story forms in my head. Because a lot of times I can't see the order that I should teach things until I have enough of it on the mind map. A good example of the storytelling part is deciding when to explain the settings and preferences for an app. Sometimes the settings are pivotal to understanding how the app works. Perfect example of this is Bartender 4. Without looking at its settings, you can't modify your menu bar at all, which is the whole point of the app. But other times the settings are just window dressing, you know, letting you change from light to dark mode or changing the number of downloads the app allows. So I explain those settings much later in the story for those apps. Now, when I'm making the mind map, sometimes a section requires an explanation, and I'll use the mind map to document exactly what I want to say. iThoughts has a notes section that can be ad added to any topic bubble, and that can be handy for writing out these long segments so you get the text just right. It's easier to write out what you want to say and read it once for the recording than it is to try to do it off the cuff and have to keep re-recording and editing audio. Now, while I'm poking every button and changing every setting in the app I'm going to teach, I'm also practicing what I'm going to do in the video. If I figure out a sequence of steps, sequence of steps, I should say, that might be hard to remember when it's time to record, I'll document that in my mind map. Why have to figure it out later if you've already figured it out once? I'll tell myself to have a certain type of file ready, like an audio example for an audio editing app, or an image if it's a photography app. I'll put down the step-by-step -step path that tells that piece of the story. I certainly don't document every bit of the tutorial ahead of time, but if I figure out something during my week or so of learning, I'm not going to waste time figuring it out later or hope I remember. Now, the gentleman that just turned on the recorder and started to demonstrate a tool never told a story. He just pushed buttons and he talked. Now, I once went to a presentation by Alex Lindsay, the well-known computer graphics and video production specialist and founder of the Pixel Core. In this talk, he said, the most important thing about good video is good audio. I know that's counterintuitive, but it's true. He explained, you know, we'll watch videos where the quality isn't that great, but the audio is good. But we won't watch good-looking video with bad audio. I'm not talking about investing in a $400 microphone. I'm talking about removing noise before you start recording. It's very difficult to remove noise after you record. You have to get specialized tools. You have to spend a bunch of money. You don't want to do that. So these tips are going to help you make sure the noise is not recorded in the first place. I want you to turn off your heating and air conditioning. I don't care how hot or cold you get, your recording will be dreadful if you don't turn them off. Get yourself a fan and turn it on in between recordings, but turn it off while you're recording. Wear a blanket over your lap if you have to, if it gets too cold. Do you have a refrigerator running in the next room on a shared wall? Unplug it. Seriously. Maybe put it on a smart outlet switch so you can turn it on and off remotely, or even with that, you could set up a schedule so you don't forget to turn it back on because you're going to be in big trouble with your family if you do. Now, the best way to find these sound sources is to make a recording while you're saying nothing and listen back to it with good headphones. If you've got any hearing loss, ask someone else to do the sound check for you. If you're in a room with a nice, big, sound-reflecting window and beautiful hardwood floors, it'd be a good idea to do some adjustments. Put rugs down, add pillows, do whatever you can to deaden the sound. When I moved from recording in our bedroom to my own den, I moved to the front of the house so the window faced a rather busy street. 
I could hear the cars and planes go by. Never understood why the planes weren't audible at the back of the house, but they weren't. Anyway, that doesn't make any sense. But I spent way too much time having to do voiceovers on segments to remove those sounds. Steve solved the problem for me. He had grommets put in a moving blanket and put hooks on the wall on either side of the window to hang it. Now when I'm recording for Screencast Online, I always block out the sound with my blanket. It makes the room dark and it makes the room feel really oppressive, but it actually speeds me up because I don't have to re-record because the trash truck drove by. Does your dog have a collar you could remove? You know, it's got tags on it that jingle. Do you have birds you can cover to make them think it's nighttime and be quiet? Do you have a landline phone you could unplug? Have you put your phone, your watch, and your computer in Do Not Disturb so they won't ding and beep and boop while you're recording? I've created automations with my home assistant and macros on my computer to disable the things I can, and I have a written checklist for things like the dog collar and the sound blanket. Trust me, your videos will be better and you'll waste less time recording if you stop every possible noise before you start to record. I have environmentally induced attention deficit disorder, I think. In my real life away from my computer, I can focus on one thing for a very long time. I'm not the kind of person that picks my phone up to look at it when people are around. You know, I mean, unless it's to solve an argument or do some fact-checking, of course. But when I sit down at my computer to record a video, I'll start reading Twitter. I'll start editing photos. I'll argue with Estim in Slack, or even worse, watch TikTok and laugh my silly little brains out and not get started. My solution is that I have a separate user account I log into when I'm recording, and I don't launch any of my play applications over there. I don't log into my personal iCloud account. Instead, I have a demo account in iCloud. This means I can be sure that I won't accidentally show private photos or people's personal contact information when I'm in that account as well. Now, on top of removing distractions, having a separate user account allows me to set it up to be as bland as possible. Under the tutelage of Don McAllister in the old days and Screencast Online editor J.F. Brissett nowadays, I've learned some best practices on computer setup. First of all, I know you think that picture of your pet turtle wearing a flower lay is adorable, but it does not make a good background for a video tutorial. A solid, bland background is really best. We use kind of a dark gray for Screencast Online, and while it bores me to tears, that's its job. It needs to blend into the background so your viewer can focus on the subject at hand. Viewers can be easily distracted by things like the system tray on Windows or the menu bar on the Mac. I use the app uh, Bartender from MacBartender.com to hide every possible menu bar icon. This does make it harder to use the Mac for sure, but this is all about the viewer, right? And again, I'm doing it in this extra user account, so my regular user account is still easy to use. Now, as you're recording your video screencast, you're bound to make mistakes. And if the time is constantly changing in the menu bar at your edit points, the viewer's eyes will be drawn to it. Remember the T-Rex in Jurassic Park who would notice things if they moved? Our lizard brains are still functioning exactly like that. So another distraction there is the changing clock. Ideally, we'd remove the clock from the menu bar entirely, but as of macOS Big Sur, you can't on a Mac but you can obfuscate the time by changing it from digital to analog. It'll still change, but the analog clock will be wee tiny, so they'd have to be just actually looking at it to notice. The control for this is pretty buried on the Mac. It's in System Preferences, Dock and Menu Bar, Clock, Menu Bar, and then you can flip it from digital to analog. If you can, also remove any desktop icons. 
If you've taken my advice and you're using a separate user account, you won't have all those files sprinkled all over your desktop that you swear you're going to clean up one of these days. I use an app called Parallels Toolbox that includes a tool to put my Mac into presentation mode. This not only removes any files from the desktop, it hides any connected drives and puts the Mac into Do Not Disturb mode and even stops the dock icons from bouncing. Now, I know all of this sounds like a lot of work, but most of it is set it and forget it if you use a second login when you're doing your screencasting. One thing that isn't set it and forget it is screen resolution. I know you've got that giant, beautiful display that you love and maybe even a, or maybe even a nice retina display on your laptop. But if you make your screencast at those high resolutions, no one will like you. They'll be straining to read the menus and preferences, and they'll never see your mouse cursor when you click because it'll be too small. If you insist on recording in high resolution, but don't hate your viewers, you're going to have to spend a lot of time and energy putting in animations to zoom in and out. If you have too many zooms and pans, your audience is going to get irpy, and again, no one will like you. Plus, this is a lot of work for you, and our goal is to make the setup help you be as productive as possible. Unless the app you're demonstrating absolutely demands a lot of screen real estate, it will be a great gift to your viewers to lower the resolution of your screen way down. But how far down is way down? We produce the Screencast Online video tutorials at 1920 by 1080 resolution, which is an aspect ratio of 16 by 9. We could go to a higher resolution than 1080p, but you know, for tutorials of computer software, that'd be extra bits that add little to no value. When we record the tutorials, we set our screen resolution to a 16 by 9 aspect ratio, but I can't give you a hard and fast rule on the actual pixel resolution you should use. That's because it will be constrained by your display resolution and the tools you have to control that display. Now I use the Parallels Toolbox screen resolution tool to change my 16-inch MacBook Pro to 1280 by 720 Retina. And that's when the demonstrated application will allow me to go that low. Sometimes I've had to go a little bit bigger because it simply won't fit on screen. It, the windows won't go sm uh, small enough. Anyway, it's hard to work at a resolution that low. It's really annoying. So what I do is I keep my attached external display at a high resolution so I can do the editing and view my mind map and other notes all in that expansive space. And I do the screencasting from my laptop monitor. Now, be sure on a Mac to choose a retina resolution as it uses pixel doubling or look really bad when it's produced at 1080p. Okay, the hardest part of making tutorials is starting. In mechanical engineering, we talk about the concept of static versus dynamic friction. Picture a very heavy rock you have to push along a gravel road. Getting it started moving is much harder than keeping it moving. Starting to push is when you feel what's called static friction. I find enormous static friction in starting to record a tutorial. I can find every single reason in the book not to start. Wait, I need to look up that section of the preferences for that app to be sure I understand it. Wait, let me check my email one more time to see if the developer got back to me. Wait, that's a, there's that hilarious TikTok guy who explains how absurd the English language is by pretending he's inventing it in the first place. I got to go watch that. Well, the only way I've overcome this problem is to promise myself all I have to do is record my introduction. I don't have to do anything else. So I switch user accounts to my screencasting account. I check that I've removed all my distractions. I put that blanket up on the window and I launch iThoughts. I create a new ScreenFlow document at 1920 by 1080 and I save it with a name. Then I record just the audio introduction where I say, hi, this is Allison Sheridan and welcome to another edition of Screencast Online. 
I'm allowed to stop right there and come back another time. I usually don't stop, but I'm allowed to with no guilt. When I'm mentally ready to kick in and really get going, I don't feel like there's nearly as much static friction because, hey, I already started. Well, in part two of this, I'm going to give you my top tips on how to record more easily, how to edit to make better cuts, how to deal with fumbling over your voiceovers, and more importantly, how to make a video that keeps the focus on what you're trying to teach because you've eliminated distracting errors. Again, this is all about speeding you up while increasing the quality of the end product. This week, we have three heroes of the show. Christian Holscher became our latest patron of the show by going to podfeed.com slash Patreon and pledging a monthly amount that lets me know that he gets a lot of values out of the show we do, the shows we do here at the Podfeed Podcast. Scott Gould preferred to send in a one-time donation rather than recurring, so he used PayPal to show his appreciation. He was very generous and wrote a very nice note to go along with it. Christoph Trush made his quarterly donation via PayPal too, although he sent along an explanation that he was late due to the holidays. I forgave him for his tardiness, of course. Both Christoph and Scott went to podfeet.com slash PayPal to make their one-time donations. Thank you so much to Christian, Christoph, and Scott for showing your appreciation. Well, I've got a special guest here today. I've got my buddy Armand, and Armand and I've been we've been friends for ages. I think we first met when you were five. Is that right, Armand? Yes. Yeah. So uh, I think I remember you were telling me all about the planets and like what color the different. Like you knew Mars was red when you were four or five years old. So I knew you were one of the smart kids, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how old are you now? Eleven. Oh, okay. And uh, so, what grade are you going into? Sixth. Sixth grade. Okay, good. But uh, the reason we wanted to get together is because you're like a huge Apple fan, right? Yes. <laughs> and you like to, uh, you're always asking me questions and you're always telling me new stuff that I don't know about. And you've got a lot of opinions on, on the things that are going on. So what's your, what's your setup with your Apple gear right now at home? What do you, what do you have? I have a lot. I have um, an A12Z iPad Pro, a, a 5K 27-inch iMac from 2020 model. Yikes. And a base model M1 MacBook Air. Oh, you have the, Ma- the M1 MacBook Air. Oh, yes. how do you like that? It's really good. Yeah? What do, you, uh, what do you like about it? It's nice. You can use it portably with the same Mac OS I got on my iMac. Uh-huh. And uh, do you find it faster or slower than your iMac? Honestly, I've never compared. So you, you can't tell the difference? It feels about the same? Yeah. I noticed a fair amount of difference between my 2019 MacBook Pro and the M1 Mac Mini that things in the system seem faster, like apps loaded faster, like just came up in the blink of an eye. Yeah. So, and doing stuff in the Finder seemed really fast. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, you have opinions on the aesthetic design of some of the the new things that Apple's come out with. Uh, You wanted to talk about the 24-inch iMac? Yes. My opinions on the 24-inch iMac are very mixed. Like, they added the same design from the iMac G3, made it modern. I think it's from cartoony. Like, my sister's room, she has it. And it looks like something from a parallel universe came into her room. <laughs> because of the colors or the shape? Or what, what about it makes you think that way? I think because of the colors, the overall design. And just the, um, like, yeah, the colors, the white bezels really added that kind of cartoony feature and um the stuff on the back oh like the you mean the fact that it's colored or 
Yeah, the back is like a really joyful color. I know that's what Apple's aiming for because they watched a bit of the event and that's and they was like they were saying the um, back of the iMac was meant to spread joy because it's often the first thing you see when you walk into someone's workplace. That's the first thing I see when I walk into my sister's room. Oh, so does she have it on a desk or something so you see the back of it? Yes. Oh, okay. A lot of people have them up against the wall. Like I've got the uh, that Pro Display XDR and it's got that really cool looking back. Yeah. I never get to see it. That's true. I made it my desktop background. I took a picture of it and made it my desktop background so I get to see it. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> what color did she get? Pink. Ah, okay. So um, how old is she? She is eight. Eight, okay. Uh, does she like it? She loves it. She's on it all the time. Ah, uh, okay. It looks to me like an iPad. Yeah, it does. It's like they put an iPad on a stick. Yeah. With just, bezels. Just on that little stand. Yeah. What, now, a lot of people don't like the bezels. What do you think? I mean, I used to not like the bezels, but when I came into my house, I was like fine with it. Like, these features don't look amazing, but they're fine. Uh, you mean, uh, wait, you can't see the speakers, can you? Mm. You mean sound? they sound good? No, like the design is fine. Like, it's oh, not okay. amazing. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Apple calls it like studio quality microphones, and I don't know that I'd quite give it studio quality, right? Yeah, I don't think so. But they're still supposed to be pretty good. The speakers are supposed to be pretty good. Yeah. So does she mostly like watch YouTube and stuff on it, or? She watches Netflix with her Beats. Oh, really? Okay. So she doesn't use the internal speakers that much? She listens with her headphones? She uses her headphones. What's the uh, what's the keyboard like? Did she get the one that's got the Touch ID on the keyboard? Yes, she got the numeric keypad. Oh, with the numeric keypad, really? Yeah. How come? I don't know. Probably because it's bigger. <laughs> I mean, she does she do a lot of numeric keypad entry? You know, doing a lot of counting know. work, or I don't know for summer school maybe. Okay, I used to really like having that, and now I just like a smaller keyboard. Mm. Wh- which one do you have? I have numeric keypad. Really? Okay. Yeah. If I sit down at one of those now, I can't type at all because my hands are in the wrong place. I, every oh. time I set them down, they're in the wrong place. I see how that happens. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the Touch ID on the keyboard? I mean, I did hear a reviewer say that they took a phone button and just pasted it on the iMac. <laughs> I think that could be true. And they just put a layer of stuff over it. I don't know. Does it work pretty well for her? Yeah. Okay. Did she let you have a fingerprint on her her computer? She was going to, then she didn't. <laughs> I wouldn't let my brother have it if I had one of those, that's for sure. Do you, uh, would, a lot of people don't like the chin on the iMac? I'm one of those people, honestly. I think the chin's just big. And I understand why, because they put everything in it. Right. But yeah. I think, it, I think it's, it's fine, I guess. It, it doesn't bother me at all. I, hasn't there always been a chin? There's always been a chin. I love the chin. <laughs> so why does everybody hate it? Is it Maybe they notice it because there's no Apple logo on it. Yeah. Right? There isn't it's one? unnoticeable. Okay. There isn't an Apple logo, is no, there? No, there's no Apple logo. Okay. So I don't remember anybody complaining about it before? No. I don't think it, I don't think so. There is some people that do just, that just want the chin destroyed for the bigger M1 iMac that might come out mm-hmm. soon. I don't know. They'd have to make it thicker then. Because yeah. they'd have to put everything behind. If it's not below, it's got to be someplace else, right? And it's yeah, not going to fit in that. It'll have to be super thick. Yeah. Well, probably not as thick as, as the current one, but I'm not sure why thick even matters, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't even, I don't know. Maybe they want to put it closer to their wall or something for some reason. I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they made that design decision. 
So uh, let's see. You uh, did you watch some of WWDC? Did you see the keynote? I begged my teachers to watch two minutes. Wait. Oh, you begged your teachers to let you yeah. watch two minutes. It was in. I was in school when WWDC happened, so I was begging my teachers to watch it. <laughs> I did get to watch some of it, but there was just the up, like the lame updates, like weather updates. I thought there would be new MacBooks, like everyone else, but yeah. there weren't. Yeah, not yet, not yet. But you have a brand new MacBook, so you don't need one. I don't care. I'm just, I just wanted to see like what they look like. I wasn't trusting any of the leaks at that point. Oh, okay. So, do you follow a lot of the uh, the blogs and stuff that talk about Apple leaks? No, I don't. How do you How do you hear about leaks? Um, on my YouTube feed. Oh, okay, okay. Do who do you like on YouTube to watch for this kind of stuff? Um. There's this YouTuber called Marcus Brownlee. He has oh, yeah. 14 million yeah, I've heard subscribers. Of him. Mm-hmm. He's pretty good. He's like the first to do everything. Okay. All right. Marcus Brownlee fan. Good, good. So uh, from what you heard about, what you did hear about WWDC, what, what excited you? Um, that you'll be, I'll be able to FaceTime people that are on Android and PC. Yeah, that's going to be kind of cool. I've, uh, do you have a lot of friends who use Android? Mm, a few. Like a few? My, um, my friend, uh, we'd have to do Hangouts, but Hangouts didn't really work for me because I didn't get notifications on most of my devices. So now I'll be able to send him a FaceTime link. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's good. I do like the spontaneity of FaceTime, though. Like, I can just call somebody on FaceTime. Yeah. So scheduling is kind of like, well, yeah. You know, like, it, it, Skype yeah. works fine, but yeah. I have to tell somebody, let's go go to Skype. You can't just ring somebody on Skype unless you know they sit there with Skype open all day, and I don't know people like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably do know people like that, but I don't know that I know them, and I don't keep it open, so I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but it was it will still be nice. It. I wonder if it's – does it annoy you that they can't start a FaceTime call? Yes, it does. Yeah. It annoys me that they can't iMessage and they can't start a call. And they're like, tell, tell me an iMessage. Hey, want to call? Like, they can't do that. Yeah. They can send you a text message. But not an iMessage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole green bubble, blue bubble thing. You know, I use an app called Telegram instead of iMessage just because of that. I I don't like that they're you know, Android people are second class citizens, and uh, I I actually don't like iMessage at all. I don't. Mm. I I use it with very few people. You and your mom and dad and our neighbor Rick and uh, like three other people. And other than that, I made all my friends use Telegram. No. <laughs> oh. Uh, let's see. So what about, what else at WWDC? WWDC? Um, not much. I mean, excited for like, um, just over, in general, I'm excited for the new software. Like there's going to be some new stuff coming that'll make Apple more, Apple devices more convenient than they already are. Yeah. Did you know some of that stuff is only for the M1s? No, I did not. Yeah. Like, um, the, I forget the name of the thing that they, where they showed you could take your, uh, your cursor from your Mac over to an iPad and drag stuff back and forth. That's only with M1. Oh. So it'll, it'll work with your, uh, MacBook Air and, it, but you'd have to have a, an M1 iPad and an, or an M1 Mac, another M1 Mac to do it. Oh. Yeah, a bunch of stuff was like that, and that was kind of disappointing. Like, they really could have said, and if you have an M1 Mac, you can blah, 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 but they didn't. They just talked about all this cool stuff. It makes sense, though, that they're only going to write this stuff for the M1 processor, but not not rewrite it all for Intel, I think. Uh, I think the thing I'm most excited about about the WWDC thing was um, SharePlay. 
Oh, really? You need to share your screen. We've been wanting to do that on FaceTime. I can't tell you how many times me and my best friend were doing on FaceTime and we had to transfer to Zoom because we couldn't share screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what do you want to share on screen? Um, it's like maybe a YouTube video, like a video okay. to watch, like on SharePlay. Like you can do Disney Plus and Netflix. Yeah, I, I did find out that you have to both be allowed, like you, they have to have a Disney Plus subscription too. For you to be able to, for you both to watch Disney Plus, it's not like you can have the subscription and they don't. Oh. So uh, that's, that's, I mean, I guess that makes sense. You guess right? that makes sense. I don't want to like scam people. Yeah. We've been using uh, Plex to do that. We have a Plex server at the house and uh, all of our movies on it. And then we, we can share the, uh, watch something together. I've, I actually, I think they might call it watch together, but you can both play, uh, hit play and pause. And that's kind of neat. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too. I feel like they're a little late, don't you? Yeah, they're always late. I watched a video from Marcus Brownlee about that. That's because they have to do it all with continuity and stuff, but other companies don't. Yeah. At least that's what he said. I don't know. I do like continuity, though. Yeah, I, I like it. Like, they have the same features in other devices. When I'm on my Mac, I can FaceTime. and on my iPad, I can FaceTime. Right, right. But you can also do stuff like you can copy something on your phone and then hit paste on your Mac. Did you know that? I knew that, but I don't know how to do it. You just do it. Yeah, uh, no. you need to enable in system preferences. There's a thing called handoff, and that's the continuity feature that lets you do it. But it's uh, it's really nice. I use it all the time. Like I've got something I've written on my iPad, and I need to get it over on my Mac, and I just copy it, and then I hit paste. Oh. It turns itself off sometimes, though, and that's when I realize how much I use it because I go to do it and it doesn't pace. I'm like, what? This is terrible. And then I got to figure out how to turn it back yeah. on. I don't know why it gets turned off because I've never turned it off intentionally. But uh, uh, there was another thing you can do. Yeah, you can take uh, like scan something with your phone uh, right into your Mac. Like if you right click in notes, you can say uh, import from phone. And you have a bunch of different options. You can take a picture or scan a, a receipt or something like that, and it'll go right in. Oh, is that iOS 15 or iOS 14? That's mm -hmm. iOS 14. Oh, yeah, I and macOS 11. Actually, since macOS 10, I think. Oh, yeah, it's been there a while. Well, we'll play with it afterwards. <laughs> uh, so, if there's a new MacBook, what do you what do you want it to have? Um, well, new chip. That's all. Just a new chip, huh? Yeah, it's a new chip. I don't really have much expectations. <laughs> I I think you're kind of like me, like you just like new stuff. Yeah. Right. Like you want the new operating system because it's got new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the new stuff to come out because it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think the next one will be, um, will be a higher end processor, but the big thing I'm looking for is uh, more ports. So the, the current models of the MacBooks only have two ports and I plug a lot of stuff in. Oh, Yeah. As you can see right now, I've got 45 things plugged in right on the table yeah. between us. <laughs> um, I think it'd be fun to be a new design, too. Like, I just yeah. like I just want it to look different from the outside. Like, some leakers think that it'll be like this, but, um, cover, I mean, by this, I mean, the, M the M1 MacBook Air Pro, but different colors with the, um, like, the um, iMac, like, key the new iMac keyboard and the Touch ID. Oh, oh, that'd be fun. That'd I don't see, fun. you know what, if they, the next model up is more powerful, I'm sure they're not going to let us have colors because they never let the pro people have colors. Yeah. Right. Like, like the, the, uh, the iPhone 12. Yeah. It, the 12 has got all these fun colors and then the 12 yeah. pro. No, you're going to have gray or black. <laughs> gray, black. 
like super dark blue. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I guess there is super dark blue, but you can't. You're never gonna get red. Or I want yeah. red. I love red. I I like blue. I'm like a I'm a bright blue person. I'm not a dark blue person. Oh, okay. So you've got the. Uh, uh, AirPods Max, yes. which I had never seen before. He's got them here. Uh, I was getting to take a look at them. They're they're much more comfortable than I expected. And you've got the blue ones because yeah. you're a blue guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true they exceed the expectations, but even if they do that, they're really good, but it doesn't make, um, make it possible to justify the price, which is 550 Oh, really? It's a terrible price. Wow. So you like them, but... It's just ex- super expensive. Maybe like 250 worth li- of liking? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> If you really want stuff like this, then you should probably get like the Beat Studio or something. But if you don't want to spend that much money and you really want something like this, you should probably get the Beat Studio because I think it's I think the Beats are good. Okay, okay, yeah, I really wanted them. I didn't have any reason to buy them, but I, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. they were new. Right? My, yeah, my AirPods Pro got um in a laundry machine. Ooh, and they didn't survive. Yeah, they're oh. just dead. Oh, I actually just downgraded from AirPods Pro to uh, AirPods. Oh. I just, they keep falling out of my ears. I know. Like, AirPods Pro are so annoying. One time they fell in the toilet. They, they annoy you? Yeah, one time they fell in the toilet. They fell in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that was yeah. so embarrassing. Is that why you put them in the, in the washing machine? Because you um, fell in the toilet? No, because um, I left it in my pocket. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's probably better. They're clean now, at least. Right? <laughs> yeah, at least they're clean. But I can't charge. And one of them was just like, shh. Oh, well, you know, it's funny. You might be surprised a long time from now, it might start working. Uh, we've had so many cases of stuff that was completely dead because they got wet. And then just a long time later, we, we look at it and it's like, oh, it's fine. Steve had a, a GoPro that fell. Oh, no. Well, I've told this story before, but this is a really funny story. He had a GoPro and we were going to be going to Hawaii. And I said, um, he had a, a waterproof case for it. And I said, mm-hmm. you need to make sure, you need to put a tether on it so it'll, so it'll float if you drop it in the ocean. And he said, it'll float. And I said, well, no, it won't because there's no air in there. It's just plastic right up against the GoPro. Yeah. He said, no, it's going to float. And I said, no, it won't. I said, prove it. So he went and he got a bucket of water. He put the GoPro in the plastic case and he dropped it in the bucket and he hadn't closed the case all the way <laughs> and he destroyed the GoPro. Oh. Oh, no. This is like a week before we were going on vacation. So it poured, the poor thing had to get a new GoPro. Yeah. But about like three years later, he pulled it out of a drawer and it was fine. So I think he, you know, maybe just wanted a new GoPro. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, don't don't throw those headphones away. Leave them, just leave them for like <laughs> six months. And then, well, no, don't, don't drop the AirPods Max in the toilet. That would not be good. Definitely. They're not even water resistant. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was weird, huh? Yeah. Like, oh. Like, yeah, there's new headphones, $300 more. Water resistance? No, I'm not giving you that. So they're not for exercising, I guess. No. Or wearing outdoors. No, it's very limited use. Yeah. Which I don't like about these. Yeah. Well, they're cool and new, though. Yeah. Um, let's see. So what do you, do you have opinions on the uh, on the new iPads that they came out with recently? Yeah. I, I saw it after, I saw it, like, actually it was during school. And I saw it and I was like... Are you? My dad actually thought this. I was like, "No way! They can't do that. It's a computer chip." And then I saw it. And I was like, "Wait, no!" Then <laughs> I, I went home, told my dad he was right, and then just looked at it some more. <laughs> so that's with the you're talking about the M1, right? Yeah, putting that in there. Yeah, you know the M1 is actually kind of like a grown up version of the A12. So 
it's, uh, you know, I guess it stood to reason. It's still strange that they didn't do more with the operating system, though. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. They limited so much. Like, you don't have the pro apps. And, yeah. What, really- do you use your, uh, use an iPad, right? Yeah, I use my iPad. What do you use it for versus your MacBook Air, for example? I use it for, um... Browsing, I use my iPad for browsing the web, occasionally playing games. This is um, more for playing games and browsing the web because it has better controls. So people can't see what you're pointing about. You're talking about the uh, MacBook Air? Yeah. So it's more for, for doing, you do more gaming yeah. on that? Yeah, I play Roblox on this and I like to watch YouTube on my iPad because YouTube on my iPad is fun. And then Roblox on my MacBook is better controls and more stuff than okay. on my iPad. I find I like to, I definitely like to watch YouTube on my, on my iPad. I'm not a huge YouTube watcher, but I watch video mm-hmm. podcasts on it. Um, I like to type on it. Did you get the, um, the magic keyboard with yours? Yes. And what do you think of that? I like it. And the focus feature on it with the blue outline, I do not like because I had to work on Google Slides a lot during online school. And the focus feature kept me from typing spacebar. Oh, I'm not sure I know what you mean by the focus like the, feature. Like the blue outline. You mean when you drag the cursor around? Um, it's like a blue outline around certain buttons. Oh, huh. Uh, yeah, it, you have to show me that later. I wonder what that is. It disabled me from pressing um, space bar on my Google Slides while typing. Huh, that's annoying. Yeah, super annoying. Yeah. I take the keyboard case off every time. And then it would then you could do space with the uh, on-screen keyboard? Yes. Yeah, you have to show me that when we're done. I haven't. I haven't ever seen that. That's huh. that. That sounds really annoying. Well, I really like the keyboard. Uh, we were talking about it before we started recording, and and uh, I did like switching to the to the white one. Yeah. I don't know why the white makes me happy. You know what I think? It's yeah. the same thing we were talking about before. We like things to look different. Yeah. It's just it's, it's white. It's fun. Look, it's not black. It's, it's not white. Fun. Yeah, it's just funner. It's, it's gotta. It's gotta be better. It's different. Yeah, different. <laughs> For the new iPad, new case, matches with another color, it's different, yay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when I was in college, I used to, uh, my roommate and I would just change our room. Like, even if it was terrible, like, even if it was really hard to move around the room, we had this little tiny square room with two beds and two desks, and, and uh, we would just rearrange it into these really stupid configurations just because it was fun to have it be different. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> One time we made it bunk beds, but the bunk beds were right in front of the door. So when you walked in, you couldn't walk into the room. You had to slither around the bunk beds. But it was cool because it made this kind of big open area where we could have a beanbag chair and people could watch TV and stuff. And it turned out to work really well. It was just really stupid when you walked in the room. <laughs> I like different. So do you think uh, do you think Apple's gone the right direction with uh, Intel going to M1? Yes, I think so. They made Apple Silicon is so much better for a way better price. Like Intel, um, the Intel MacBook Pro 13 inch is um more than the M1, and the M1 is better. Oh, I didn't notice that for the same 13 inch. Yeah. Really? Oh, interesting. Well, I wonder whether it's because the graphics card is better. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the graphics cards on the on the M1X or M2 or whatever they call it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that the um, MacBook Air uh, that you have, the M1 MacBook Air, are you limited at all? Is there anything you can't do with it? Um, Not really. I'm not a content creator. I just browse the web on it, Google things, watch YouTube sometimes. So. Okay. And the space bar works in, in Google Docs? Yeah, it all works. 
<laughs> That's a good thing. Well, this is uh, this has been a lot of fun. Is there anything else you wanted to tell the audience about uh, your your love of Apple products? No, I'm all covered. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Bye, Armand. Well, the live audience sure had a lot of fun listening to Armand and his opinions about all things Apple. I hope you guys do, but that is going to wind us up for this week. Don't forget to send in your dumb questions. Everything is fiddly recordings, comments, and suggestions, and you can do that by emailing me at allison at podfeet.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Remember, everything good starts with podfeet.com. We got podfeet.com slash Patreon if you want to do a recurring donation. Would you rather do a, a, you know, just a one-off? You can do that at podfeet.com slash PayPal. If you want to join in the community, you can go to podfeet.com slash Slack. Or if you like Facebook, you can go to podfeet.com slash Facebook. We have communities in both places. And if you want to join in the fun of the live show, like Armand did during the show tonight, head on over to podfeet.com slash live on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time and join the friendly and enthusiastic Nusilla Castaways. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.